stop saying the church needs to, to, to wake up or the churches and start saying, hey, Jared, are you irrelevant? Make it, I'm the church. If I make a blanket statement about the church being weak or irrelevant, I'm part of the church. So God, is there anything in me that's irrelevant? Is there anything in me that is weak? Because if so, man, burn it out of me. What's the old saying? Just draw a circle and say, Lord, start a revival in the circle right here with me. Revive me. And I feel like that's where I'm at. I feel like many of you are in that same place that you may not even know it. You just may, your, your soul may have been processing this over the last few weeks, but this is where we're at. Um, you know, Mandy gave, for Father's Day, she gave me a, a 23andMe DNA kit. And my brother had already done it, so I just wanted to make sure that we're really brothers from the same mother and father. <laughs> but we, pretty sure we are. Pretty sure we are. <laughs> um, but... And then she's like, here, here's this free ancestry.com thing and just go in and, and you have two weeks. And so for, for the last week or so, ask my kids, they're like, they're annoyed with me. I think Mandy's getting it because I've been on this rabbit hole of tracing my genealogy. And long story short, my, my grandparents have always told me, my papa and granny have always said that, that I'm a sixth generation minister. And I've always been like, I'm not comfortable with saying that because I need the proof. I want to see it. Like, I know I'm four because, you know, great-grandpa, papa, my dad, me. I, I guarantee four. They're like, no, we're telling you you're six. And so in this DNA ancestry stuff, I found I am a sixth-generation minister. It's, at, it's fact. I found where my great-great-great-great-whatever-it-is-grandfather was, was ordained with the Church of God back in the 1800s in Kansas. Like, absolutely true. And so what I, what I felt is... I'm not carrying this just for me. Like my salvation, me being saved, yeah, it is for me, but man, it's for the others. It's for my family. It's for my sons. I, I would love for one of my sons to be number seven. Kyle's a sixth generation as well. Like I, what if Judah and Isaiah keep carrying this on? It's just, just this generational thing. And it's just made me think differently. I, yeah. Amen. You know, a few weeks ago, Bill preached a sermon, and it's about a multi-generational move that God is doing. And he talked about the monarch butterflies that, that start in Mexico, and they migrate all the way up to Canada, and then they migrate all the way back to Mexico. And it takes four generations for them to migrate from Mexico to Canada, and four generations for them to migrate from Canada back to Mexico. So the people that started the process, the monarch butterflies in Mexico that started the process, never even saw the finish of it but they started it. And so I just want us to, to bring that to our attention. Like you're starting something, you're carrying something on in your family that's multi-generational. And it's, that's what it's gonna take to see the church pull and uh, pull people into the kingdom and to usher Jesus Christ back for his return. So amen to that. We'll move on quickly. I just wanted to finish this thought. The last few weeks we, we talked about the soul. And in John chapter eight, so if you wanna open your Bible, we'll be in John chapter eight. I'm going to hit this pretty quick, but there are some just key things here in John chapter 8. Father, we just ask that you would be here, that you would speak, continue to speak to our hearts. You would anoint me to say what I need to say and anoint our ears to hear. Give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation that we may know you better. In Jesus' name, amen. So in John 8 verse 31, I'm going to start right there. It says, so Jesus was saying to the Jews who had believed in him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. And you will know the truth, 
and the truth will make you free. And the truth will make you free. free. So I'm going to stop right there. So what he's saying to them is continue in my word, continue in the teachings that I've told you, and I will help you to know the truth. And as you know that truth, it will set you free in every area of your life. Amen to that? All right, then it goes on, and it says, and they answered him and said, but we are Abraham's descendants. We have never been enslaved to anyone. Why are you saying then you will become free? See, they didn't realize that they were enslaved. They didn't realize that they were bound by something, and Jesus is trying to reveal a heart issue. And so he says to them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who sins or commits a sin is a slave to sin, and, and dropped the bomb on him. He's like, the, this is what he's saying to him. This is my translation. The deeds you do determine what has your heart and has your loyalties. The actions that we, we have in life determines what has our heart and what has our loyalties. Then he goes on and he says, the servant or the slave does not remain in the house forever, but the son does remain forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. indeed. Amen. So he's saying the only way to become free is for the son of God to make you free. Only Jesus can make you free. All right, we're going to move. I told you I was going to move pretty quick through this. He said, I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you seek to kill me. Y'all know this because my word has no room in you. My word has made no room inside of you. What he's literally saying to them is my word has not gained your affections and loyalty to a degree where you obey it in your actions. He's saying, I know that you are from Abraham. I know you're his descendants. I know your lineage. I know the pedigree from which you come. It's a great pedigree. I understand that. But, but I'm telling you the word of truth that has come from my father, who was also Abraham's father, and I'm telling you the truth right now, and yet because you don't believe me, my word, my truth has not created any space inside of you. It has not affected your life to a degree where you act differently. So they're a little bit offended with Jesus. He said, I speak the things which I have seen with my father. So he's saying, basically, I do what I see my father do. I, I say what he says. I do what he does. And he says, therefore, you also do the things which you heard from your father. So he's showing this progression of you're doing what you're taught generationally. Are you all okay? All right. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. <laughs> They're mad, right? And Jesus said to them, well, if you are Abraham's children, what does it say in your Bible? Do the deeds of Abraham. Everyone say, do what Abraham did. Do the deeds of Abraham. He's saying, if you really are Abraham's descendants, then you would do the things that Abraham did, right? And he says, but as it is, you are seeking to kill me. A man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God, Abraham didn't do this. Ooh. Jesus didn't play around. So Jesus made this connection between hearing and seeing what our fathers do and it causing our actions to be this, the actions that we take. <clears throat> so what deed was he talking about from Abraham? So in James chapter two, I'm gonna read this and we're gonna close it with this thought. He said, if you're Abraham's children, do the things Abraham did, do the deeds of Abraham. So what did Abraham do? James 2, verse 18 through 26. It says, but someone may say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without the works and I will show you my faith by my works. 
So he's saying there's this argument. Some people say, oh, it's works. And some people say, oh, it's only faith. And he goes, no, it has to be faith making works happen. That's what's real. That's what's true. He says, you believe that God is one. He goes, well, good for you. (laughs) Even the demons believe that and they're fearful of him and they shudder, it says. So he's saying believing is not enough. Hello? Believing is not enough. It's the doing that matters. Remember, this is what we talked about last week, that doing does for the soul what hearing does for the mind. He says, so doing is what matters. You do well, good, you believe. But are you willing to recognize, you, f- you foolish fellow, that faith without works is dead? Faith without deeds is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by the works that he did when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? You see, faith was working with his works. And as a result of his works, his faith was perfected. So how do we have perfected faith? We let our faith run the course until it affects our actions and produces deeds or works that matches the faith that we profess. When we do that, our faith is perfected. And it says the scripture was fulfilled. And it says in Abraham, listen to this, come on. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. So because he believed, he was righteous. And because he was righteous, he acted accordingly. He was called the friend of God. Oh, who wants to be a friend of God? Like, I want to be a friend of God. He says, you see that a man is justified by works and not just by faith alone. In the same way, Rahab, the prostitute, also was justified by the works that she did when she received the messengers and sent them out a different way. For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so is faith without works. Faith without works is dead. The point, I'm tying up last week, the point is doing is what cleanses the soul. Doing is what makes the soul come alive. Doing the things we profess to believe is what knits our soul to his soul. Amen? Our mind is such a small place to put the truth. This is Brian Simmons, the, the, the author of the Passion Translation Bible, said this. A few years ago, we were privileged to sit and listen to him teach. Oh my goodness, the guy, man, he, he knows and loves the Lord. And he says, the mind is such a small place to put the truth. So God deposits it in our heart. How does he get there? I do what he says. It goes from the mind and it gets into my heart and into my soul and it becomes a fabric of my being. Your word, O Lord, have I hidden in your heart that I won't sin against you. The hiding him in my heart, the doing of what I say I believe, it does something to my heart that coats me, that protects me, that hides me in the shadow of his wing. It does something to us. It transforms us. And when we wrap our heart around this truth, we put it on display through the actions that we have. Then the truth is seen by others and it makes us free. See, truth that's not seen by others is not fully truth. Yeah. Truth that isn't seen by others is not fully truth. That's why Jesus did not come just preaching sermons. He didn't come just saying truth from his mouth. He came demonstrating 
And then Paul goes, I don't come to you with enticing words of men's wisdom, but I come to you in what? Anybody know it? Oh, we got it. All right. Bible classes are starting next week. I don't come to you enticing words of men's, but I come to you in the, in the demonstration of power. Come on. It's the demonstration. Truth that is not experienced and seen and put on display is not truth. It goes back to Matthew 5 when Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden. He goes, which one of you would light a lamp and then hide it under a bushel? He's like, no, you put it on a pedestal. Why? Because it's in, in you for you, but it's on the pedestal for others. So that when you put it on the pedestal, now everyone can see. See, when we say we believe things and we don't put them into practice, it benefits us, but over time it will poison us and deceive us. But if we say we believe the truth and we demonstrate the truth by the actions that we have, not only does it heal our soul, but it also gives opportunity for everyone around us to see clearly for the first time. It's for others too. This is where God's taking us, the demonstration, being doers of the word and not hearers only. Amen? Doing does for the soul what hearing does for the mind. And I feel like God is calling us to a place of repentance. God is calling us to a place of first fruits, going back to the first love, doing the things we did at first, because he wants us to become powerful and full of his authority. Amen? Why don't you stand? That was pretty quick, close. Jesus even said, hey, even if you don't believe I'm the Messiah, at least believe the deeds that I do and the works that I do. At least believe because you've seen. And that's exactly what the Lord is saying to us as a church. Like, let's, let's put it on display. Because then we can say to the world, hey, you may not like all our theology. You may not understand it. It may be weird to you. But you can't deny that Jesus Christ is real because he just touched your life. And that's what I'm asking for. So would you pray along those lines with me that we're going to repent and we're going to ask God to bring us to a place of experience. God, we come to you. And first, we want to thank you because you've invited us to the table. You have invited us into the secret place and you've whispered your truth into our ears and into our hearts. Like we feel privileged and honored that you have spoken truth to us by your word and through relationship. We love it. It's for us. It's beneficial for me. I love the way you talk to me. But God, we know that it's not enough to just hear it in the secret place. We're supposed to shout it from the rooftops. We're supposed to put it on display so that others can see. And Lord, I know right now our world needs more than ever in its history to see the power of the gospel put on display. They need to know that there are solutions. And God, we are the light of the world. Hmm. Amen. All right, you got to carry this on in your secret place. You got to carry this relationship, this conversation on with God. And he's just stirring something up. I just want to thank you for being here today. It's awesome to see. I know it's still, still strange. 
coming to church and, and the crowds aren't there yet, I'm not worried about that. We're going to keep doing what we're supposed to do, and we're going to keep marching forward. Uh, stay connected however you can. Call, meet up with people for coffee. If you, do, if you did bring your offering, uh, Rodney's got the offering buckets if you want to put that in there. Uh, if you need prayer, someone will meet you here at the front, and we'll pray away uh, a distance from you, social distance prayers. We love you. Thanks for being here, and, and God bless you.